Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another Word Balloon podcast. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to another Word Balloon Comics podcast. Uh, great conversation today. John Suntress here. Slightly different show than normal. Some San Diego Comic-Con content. Uh, it's the Killing Joke Press Roundtables. Uh, we had a chance to talk to the cast and crew of the Killing Joke minus Mark Hamill because uh, week before Comic-Con, he was at... Uh, Star Wars Celebration in London, and I can appreciate not uh, wanting to do two massive shows like that on top of each other. But we did get everybody else. We got director Sam Liu, screenwriter Brian Azzarello, uh, producer Bruce Tim, and cast members Ray Wise, Commissioner Gordon, uh, Tara Strong, of course, Batgirl, and the great Kevin Conroy, Batman himself. So very excited to talk to all of them. Uh, great roundtables uh, that were handled... Um, by about me and uh, about 10 other guys at, at a table, although not everyone spoke. It was kind of interesting, but uh, great uh, fellow podcasters and bloggers. I think they all ask great questions, and uh, I'm really pleased with uh, the conversations we all had with the cast and crew, and I'm happy to share that for you today. Now, because it was a roundtable, uh, there were also video stand-up interviews happening in the same room, so it's not uh, pristine quality, but I, I am pleased to say that uh, you can hear the questions and answers very clearly, I think. Uh, amidst the din of the room. Occasionally, uh, the PR guy was uh, kind of uh, traffic copping the room, so you might hear him over an answer or two. But I think all in all, you get uh, great content uh, about this uh, already controversial film. Uh, it's been out in the screens on uh, movie theaters on Monday and Tuesday of this week already. It's available digitally. You can get it, for example, at uh, Amazon Prime Video and uh, rent it for uh, $15, which may sound pricey, but it is brand new. It's coming out on DVD and Blu-ray in the next couple weeks. And, um, yeah, I mean, it was controversial because, of course, it's an adaptation of that uh, very violent, very dark uh, story that Alan Moore wrote in uh, 1987. And uh, also there is a first act that kind of uh, gives more uh, screen time to Batgirl, that has become uh, controversial, uh, both as a whole in terms of some people think it was just kind of tacked on. And then, of course, I'm sorry, I don't, I don't mean to spoil, but uh, it's already out there. Uh, Batman and Batgirl have an intimate relationship. And, uh, man, I'll tell you, everyone is just all a flutter about this. He's She's Robin's girlfriend, Dick Grayson's girlfriend. What the hell's going on? Give me a break, would you please? You got to let these movies stand on their own. This is my one minute editorial comment on it. It didn't bother me. It really didn't. Um, it's fine. <laughs> Whatever. You got to, you know, take these things on their own merit. Um, I think uh, Azzarello and I think uh, the others in the in the cast as well explain that uh, first of all, the Killing Joke is a very short graphic novel, only forty eight pages. Um, you know, and and to drop somebody in the middle of the story. Uh, that, you know, you got to make it a first kind of watch. I mean, who knows whose grandmother or mom or girlfriend or boyfriend who isn't hip to Batman might, you know, be subjected to this. Um, so, you know, I get why they needed to do that first uh, part of the story. I'm cool with it. I got no problem with it. I, I rarely do on, on things like this. But I guess because, you know, in the in the animated series, Batgirl was certainly younger, Um that might rub people the wrong way, that it might seem a slightly inappropriate relationship. Uh, in fact, I asked Tara Strong right away how old she felt Batgirl was in this project, and I think she gave an honest answer. I'll let you hear Tara's uh, thoughts on it. And in fact, the whole cast and crew about this added, uh, you know, 10 or 15 minutes to the story to flesh it out to be a full-length movie. 
I like the movie. I think it's a fine adaptation. I think it's better than the Superman uh, Doomsday adaptation, which I'll be honest, I wasn't crazy about. Um, but I think it was a, a, a decent and strong Batman movie. When they take it literally from Alan Moore's script, I think uh, both Kevin Conroy and Mark Hamill are at the top of their game. I think Ray Wise is a very effective Commissioner Gordon. And, of course, Tara Strong, always a strong uh, Batgirl. I'm shrugging right now because, honestly, I really enjoyed it. But uh, don't take my word for it. Listen to uh, the cast and crew. Uh, we're going to start things off with Brian Azzarello. Uh, and uh, we'll let you uh, hear what I and the other uh, press members that were at my roundtable had to ask Brian. So let's get things started now with Brian Azzarello on The Killing Joke and more on Word Balloon. When you started to write the screenplay for it, what was the most important thing from the book that you wanted to carry over? Because you couldn't, I mean, I don't know if you could do everything with the time that you had for the running time of the film. Actually, we had to add some stuff to it. You did? Oh, yeah. I mean, the set, it's 48 pages, so yeah. that was... Maybe we would have got a little bit more than a half hour out of yeah. it. So no, it was definitely the, the the challenge was adding material to the Killing Joke. It seemed like it was always in the Killing Joke. The material that you added, though, is it, is do you, well, how do you think fans are going to react to it? Because it's such a classic story. Mean? Come on, you, you know how they're going to react to it. Yeah. Some are going to like it, and some are going to hate it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, that's Fair just enough. the way it works. Fair enough. You know, as long as they react to it, that's all I care. Yeah. Brian, in recent uh, years, this story has gotten a lot more controversy and criticism for the way it depicted uh, Barbara Gordon's role in the story. Do you think any of those criticisms, in, you know, that have come up more in recent years, you know, you know, due to you know women's depicting in comic and superhero comics and stories, do you think they're valid, or, or I mean, do you think they're misinterpreting the work? What are your thoughts? I think they're valid, and it's something that we addressed. That's why the first third of the film focuses on uh, Barbara Gordon. That's all new material. And, uh, yeah, because she was essentially she was there to get shot in the original. And I think that that stuff just as a, we're looking at story structure. Coming at it from comics, all you guys read comics, you know who Barbara Gordon is, there's a certain shorthand that exists in your mind, and it doesn't bother you. But if, if, if you don't know who that character is, and especially in a movie, it's it, it really stands out. Like, you know, she's just there to get shot and then to cry in the hospital. You know, all she is is, you know, the daughter. There. So that was something, you know, fleshing out that character and something that was very important. This is a this is a hard R story. It's R, all right. Yeah, and are I mean, are you satisfied with how far you were able to go? I mean, what, where do you think the line was? They and told uh, Bruce, Tim, and uh, Alan Burnett told me don't pull any punches. And in fact, push them, which is what I did. So yeah, it's uh, it's definitely tonally it's it's very faithful to the original. Does it have to be an odd hard R, do you think? Did, could the story have existed without going that distance in terms of, would, uh, as a filmmaker? I don't think it would have been the no? same story. No? No. I mean, you know, the, the, the pivot point in that story is hard to take, yeah. you know? And if you 
soften that. Sure. Really change it. It is the, the truly the one bad day. Yep. Yeah. Okay. This is really one of the most iconic uh, Batman stories ever. I was wondering if you ever saw that, you know, they sort of ripped this story on South Park once. Just sort of how iconic. No, I never saw that. <laughs> uh, there, there, there was a, a thing with on South Park where they kind of made a whole parody of that moment uh, where uh, Gordon's uh, trip uh, on the on the train yeah, yeah. train ride. That scene was basically reconstructed in South Park as a gag. So, I guess, what do you think of how this? What is it about this story that makes it so iconic and classic that it's sort of it, it's become it's part of you know the, the lexicon. It, it's very that it becomes pastiche later on. Well, it's so well constructed. I mean, and it, and it is, Joker has a point. Joker's point is, I can understand it, that we're all him, save for one bad day. He's almost not, um, you know, the typical Joker for like utter lunacy. It's almost a very sane approach to sending someone over the edge. It's, I think that's the menace that uh, comes out across in the story. Would you, would you agree with that? Yeah, I agree with that. Yeah. Dini recently said that the Joker isn't insane, that he's very calculating, and it's like he knows what he's doing. And it is kind of, how's your interpretation? No, of he's crazy. I don't think <laughs> No. <laughs> <laughs> and where's Batman in the story right now? Where do you like? I mean, are they? He's crazy too. <laughs> <laughs> when you started writing the story, um, I don't know if Kevin and Mark were attached yet, but how much were you hearing their voices? Because their voices are so iconic for those roles at this point. Uh, you know, no, I didn't do that. Not at all. At all not at all. I sit there in silence. Just hear the, just see the <laughs> All I hear is myself because I'm talking this stuff. <laughs> what, is, um, what is your Batman like? Uh, <laughs> Do you just go lower? <laughs> and, and slower, lower and slower. <laughs> you enjoy doing animation, man? Or is, you know, I mean, this is just how many it's, you've done so far. Yeah, Getting easier? It's, it's not. Um, yeah, I enjoy it. It takes a lot longer. Why? Because there's a lot more steps involved. I mean, it doesn't editorially, you know, me. or whatever. I they love help. writing a script and three months later a book's out. That's great. You know, this is like write the script and two years later. Right, Come on, thanks, Brian. Thank, Thank you. you. And immediately these guys get whisked away to the next round table, and uh, that's that's kind of how it is. It's like um, it's like volleyball. You know, they're in a they're in a square for a play, and then you rotate to the next table. And uh, we get about, you know, in some cases, uh, five to six minutes. In other cases, 10 to 12 minutes, depending on, on the person. So uh, Ray Wise is next. And, uh, man, I am such a fan of Ray Wise. Uh, you know him, a great character actor, going back to the days of RoboCop. Of course, uh, Twin Peaks, Laura Palmer's uh, father. And we even get a little Twin Peaks Showtime news out of Ray, which is excellent. And uh, because, you know, it's always very strict. You're only here to talk about the killing joke. Don't ask about other projects. There's always, you know, it's, it's one of the reasons why, as uh, as time has gone on, I've kind of shied away from the press junkets because it's too much, too many rules, and sometimes you just don't get enough time with these people. And you know me and Word Balloon, we like to have long, uh, decent conversations. Today's Word Balloon is brought to you, by the way, by the League of Word Balloon listeners. Thank you, League. Uh, you're one of the reasons why I was able to get to San Diego this year and uh, make these connections and bring you this kind of content. And lots more uh, content is coming in the days and weeks ahead. Uh, 
certainly uh, as we wind out of July and head into August. You can hear it in my voice. I still have a little concrud. I'm not at full voice, but uh, really could not have uh, made the trip to San Diego without your help. Thank you. Uh, for subscribing to Word Balloon. You don't have to subscribe, but uh, if you've got the extra money, consider the content you get at Word Balloon that, frankly, you don't get on any other podcast. And I'm very proud of that because uh, I don't know what it is, but I think all these years of uh, doing radio interviews and podcast interviews, I can make uh, a guest comfortable and we we get some interesting uh, quotes from them as they uh, get comfortable and have interesting conversations. Word Balloon is free. It will always be free. But if you want to help the cause, go to patreon.com slash wordballoon and uh, you can uh, subscribe right there, even if it's uh, the price of a comic book, like 3 or $4 a month, or even just a dollar a month. Greatly appreciated. Lots of new Word Balloon uh, subscribers the, in the month of July. Thank you very much for your support. It really does mean a lot, and uh, it helps me upgrade the equipment and make the trips and make the connections for the neat content we hear every week. So thank you once again, League of Word Balloon listeners. All right, let's move on now to Ray Wise. Uh, tremendous conversation. I am such a fan of this guy. Actually, great San Diego, uh, well, great moment for me. I was at the uh, Bayside Hilton where these interviews were taking place, but this was a couple years ago, and uh, was heading to my next panel. And Ray Weiss sees that I have a press badge on and says, oh, pardon me, you wouldn't happen to know where my panel is, would you? And I looked and I said, no, but I know you're Ray Wise and I know you're awesome. And he laughed and he said, well, thank you very much. And he shook my hand and uh, it was great to see him again. I didn't remind him of that because there's no time. Got to go right to the questions. No time. But, um, man, he was an excellent Commissioner Gordon. No surprise. He always brings an A-list performance. Uh, he was the devil on Reaper. You might remember that. In fact, one of the reporters mentions how much he loved Reaper. And uh, I loved him as uh, Don Hollenbeck in the Edward R. Murrow movie, Good Night and Good Luck, that uh, George Clooney uh, made. And... Um, had uh, Clooney as uh, Fred Friendly, and Don Hollebeck was the local CBS uh, uh, news announcer that was on the blacklist and uh, being threatened by uh, communist uh, red bait hunters out there. Excellent performance, and uh, Ray Wise is just fantastic, and he does a great vocal performance as Commissioner Gordon. Let's hear him talk about it now. Ray Wise on Word Balloon. Howdy. Uh, thank you for coming, sir. Oh, thank you. Can I tell you how much I love Reaper? Yes, And please. how much I love you on Reaper? <laughs> yes. I loved Reaper, too. Can, it, can we bring it back? Oh, I wish we could. I still you know? love him from RoboCop. I mean, who doesn't? <laughs> I, I, I loved RoboCop. I, I, I could have played Reaper forever. Oh, is this your... Uh, I'm guessing this is nowhere near your first Comic-Con, is it? I think it's my fourth or fifth. Something like okay. that. Yeah. How's it been so far? Is oh, it great. Enjoyed uh, meeting yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's great to meet uh, such enthusiastic fans, you know. <laughs> really, and they and knowledgeable. They know your stuff. I mean, these people are coming up to me and they remember stuff I did 40 years ago, and that's 45 <laughs> years ago. Is that daunting? Do you feel like if you mess something up, they're going to call you on it? Uh, maybe a little daunting, yeah. <laughs> maybe a little. Uh, I don't know. Stalkerish? <laughs> a little creepy? Yeah, little, yeah. That. But, Tell then, s- but then realizing how you know how long I've been doing it and how old I'm getting, that, that's kind of... <laughs> yeah. So what, what appealed to you for Jim Gordon and doing Jim Gordon? Well, it was a great script. I mean, the guy, I mean, that really just... Right. Oh, right. man. You know, and... Uh, and uh, and of course, I, I was, I've been a big fan of Batman since I was about eight or nine years old. But I always thought that Kevin is the perfect Batman. You know, uh, 
Kevin will always be the epitome of Batman for me. Whatever he opens up his mouth, that's it. Yeah. Yeah. The thing about the killing joke is, though, it does go in different places than any other Batman story goes. Yeah. And specifically with Jim Gordon in terms of pushing him over the edge. How did that? How did you approach that in the script? In terms well, it was of very, uh, you know, uh, uh, some of the physical uh, things that Jim Gordon was going through. I was trying to, of course, do Emulate. locally, you oh. know. And so it was, uh, it was a, a laborious process, and, and and one that was very demanding, and uh, and I had to make a lot of different noises and squeals and screams and grunts. And He's groans. put through the ringer. That's for yeah, <laughs> that, that's a good way of putting it. <laughs> did you guys all record together or were you individually? Oh, individually. Individually. Yeah. Did that, did that, I mean, you're an actor, so you've gone through this and you're, you know what you're doing, but yeah. was it hard because so many of the scenes are so intense and so emotional and they play off, the characters play off of each other? Was it hard to do that just sort of in isolation in the, in the booth? No, it's you know it's like everything else. You yeah. know, you uh, you imagine it in your head, and uh, actors are very good at that. You know, we can... had you watched Mark and, and you know Kevin do Batman and Joker over the years in animation? Uh, when you say yeah, you oh know yeah, them? oh yeah, I've seen them. Yeah, of course, and heard them. Yeah, absolutely. Uh, Mark Mark is a great great Joker. Uh, Ray, we, yeah. we hear a lot of discussions about you know Batman's psyche and his you know mental state. But what about like Gordon, who's always been a he's been a con constant ally and you know you know pillar for Batman to rely on for decades now. Mm-hmm. But like what is his interaction do you think with Batman and Joker? What is he is he is he stable himself? Is he hanging on as well as he can? I mean, what does it say about him that he constantly allies himself with Batman and what that causes him? Gordon him is dri- Gordon is driven almost to the brink in this one, right. and, and emotionally, physically, in every other way. And uh, I and I think uh, the Gordon we see in in this is very much more of Gordon the father rather than Gordon the police commissioner. Right. Now he's, a, he's a, the police commissioner in moments when he tells Batman that he wants everything done by the book proper way, if it possibly can be done that way. You know, but uh, I think that he thinks it's probably not going to be able to be done that way. And 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 the ending, uh, you know, you'll have to. You'll have to have you, you haven't seen it, of course. Yet. Well, I've read, I've read yeah, the comic, yeah, yeah. but I haven't seen it. Well, well compare the two. The wait. ending is, huh? Compare the two, the book and the. Uh, did you read the book in preparation yeah. beyond the script? Compare the two without spoiling, if you can. Uh, that's hard. Okay. <laughs> Our ending is a little, uh, a little different. Yeah, uh, and I. Oh, it does doesn't have that moment with Batman and Joker. Uh, oh yes. Okay. But, but it goes a little bit further. Than okay. That. Okay. Oh, okay. That's yeah. Awesome. Well, what do That's you a- think it says about Gordon as a person that in the comics he went through he, he went through what happened here in this story, and then later on in his life Joker comes back and murders his wife in cold blood. Mm-hmm. Jo- and and Batman is almost driven to the point where I just have to end this guy, and Gordon's just like no. It's not right. What do you think it says about Gordon as a person and as a man that he's he's he keeps that integrity? Well, yeah, I think that I think that's it. He keep, he keeps that integrity. I think he's the he's the penultimate uh, uh, man of, of of integrity and um, and doing things the right way, the legal way, and uh, and, and the moral way. Does he does he have a stronger moral backbone than? Uh, Batman, Batman? Batman? Yeah, yeah, I think maybe he does. You think? Sure. I think Batman. Oh, 
I think Batman is capable of uh, a lot more than Gordon is. And Gordon reigns him in, do you think? Yeah. yeah. And I think Gordon knows that, you know. Yeah. And, uh, and it's constantly... It's almost uh, an, an essential part of the Batman. Yeah. yeah. Did your take on Gordon, did you look at other actors and how they played it, or do you know the characters enough that you felt comfortable playing Gordon? Yeah, I, uh, uh, you know, I saw the movies, you know, and uh, I, I like Gary uh, Oldman, you know. He's fine. Yeah. But I'm not him, so I, I certainly didn't try to do an impersonation. Uh, um, I, I, you know, I, I felt comfortable with the character, and I, I like I liked what was on the page. And, uh, well, you, you'll be the judge. You'll see it. <laughs> I think we got faith in you, man. Honestly, <laughs> we heard you were doing it. You know. Have you been on a set recently with Mark Frost and David Lynch? Sure. <laughs> Were you just saying hi? <laughs> yeah. On, on pain of death, I can tell you this. Uh, we have completed 18 episodes wow. in New Twin Peaks, all directed by Mr. Lynch. And they are being uh, put together as we speak. And uh, they'll be coming out, I believe, in the summer of uh, 2017. So. As, as a veteran of, of genre fiction, what do you think of the evolution? Because clearly we're at a place now that we've never been before. Do you feel that way as well as an actor? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think uh, all, all the different venues now that we, you know, we, for our products, you know, and Netflix and uh, Amazon and all the internet and how it's, all these opportunities now for writers and actors and storytellers, you know, that, and, uh, and well, I think it's just, it just, it has just opened up a whole new, a whole new world, and especially for actors, you know, the different way, you know, I can, I can do things with my voice, I'm basically a face actor, but I, I love doing things with my voice, so, um, yeah, I mean, in genre, you know, they, they do remakes of things now, and some of them are okay, some of them I don't like so much, I didn't need that Robocop. Amen. Amen. Was I the only person who liked that? Yes. Yeah. Fair enough. Fair enough. <laughs> just, just, get out. Just like Laura Palmer said, I'll see you again in 25 years. Do you think David did this on purpose? Okay. Uh, you mean, was it, a, was it a master plan? Yes. It's David No, no I, I, think, <laughs> I, I think he uh, he goes more... Uh, <laughs> off, the, off the top of his head a little bit more. <laughs> Thank you, you know? Thank you, Ray. Yeah. Thanks, Ray. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Moving on, we uh, go from uh, Ray Wise, and you're going to hear the uh, passing of the baton from Ray to Tara Strong, a fan favorite. Uh, man, from Raven on Teen Titans to, of course, her excellent Harley Quinn to of, and her portrayal of Batgirl. Uh, and Powder Powerpuff Girls and, and so many other great voices. Tara Strong is really one of the best voice actors out there and also a very lovely woman. Uh, and and uh, she came to play, let me tell you. I, I got pictures on wordballoon.com of uh, all the roundtable guests. And uh, Tara was, was just fantastic. And uh, the video people, uh, you know, she, she knew she was going to be on camera, so she looked great. And, uh, no, I'm, I'm really pleased. It was a great conversation. So pleasure to talk to Tara Strong as uh, she uh, talks to this uh, giant uh, press roundtable on Word Balloon. 
I give you Tara Strong and Lisa Backgirl. Oh, yeah. You got out. Okay. Those two cops. Pretty good. Oh, <laughs> seven. Are you be nice to her now? Oh, well, all right. So I have it. Promising Not nothing. Like the last guy. <laughs> <laughs> uh, Tara, I guess some of the bigger changes to this story involve uh, Barbara Gordon and Batgirl's role in the story. It's a 360 camera. Oh, hi! See? See, look. I'm remotely controlling the camera view from the phone. That's really cool. Yeah. I just noticed a sleeping child. Um. <laughs> That's thrown you entirely now, as I say. And now she does. Like, were you familiar with like Batgirl's original role in the original story? And like, a lot of people have been critical of that role in recent years. And I guess, what did you think of that role and how they uh, uh, made those changes and incorporated it into the classic story? Well, I'm a huge fan of it because I feel like now Batgirl's the star in this movie, <laughs> and um, it's so well written that. The extra, the extra scenes are a seamless addition to the comic, and it almost feels like when you're watching it that it was all part of the same original story. It's so geniusly crafted with the writers and the animators and all the actors involved. Like I put on my Twitter, I think it's my favorite Batman anything I've ever seen. I just think it's so well done, and I can't imagine anybody being critical of how they portray her after they see it. I mean, people are always hoping it, it you know, adds up to the hype that people have it, and they don't, they're not disappointed. And yeah. I don't think anybody would be disappointed. Did you, read, did you read the original book? No, you uh -uh, didn't. So uh -uh. all you know really is all the, I know is this interpretation. And part of that was nice because when the moments were happening, I, I didn't know they were coming, so I was on this emotional journey with her. Yes. In retrospect, before coming here, I wish I had read it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, sorry, I'm a little bit tired of being asked that question. <laughs> no, no, I'm not. You have, you're one of the few, but it's obviously important to know everything. But for my journey as the as the actor portraying um, Barbara Gordon, going through all these things, I almost feel like it was better to not know where it was going and then really feel those emotional moments. How old is Barbara in this, do you feel? And, like, you know, generally speaking, I'm not looking Yeah, that's a good a question. Um, I'd say 20s. Okay. I'd say early 20s. With this story specifically, what was important for you to bring to the character? Like, that maybe had we haven't seen in Barbara before? Um, well, I would say for sure um, an authenticity with everything she goes through as an adult. It's really the first animated version of her I've done where she's a woman. And um, it's kind of been organic to my journey playing her. You know, when I first moved to town from Toronto, I'm playing Batgirl alongside of Hamill and Conroy, and I was totally starstruck and pinching myself. And then having gone through the years together, it was sort of just like no time had passed and suiting up, but at the same time, a lot has happened in my life. I'm a mom now and yeah. certainly gone through a lot. So um, it's just the darkest she's ever gone and the darkest I think any of us have ever gone. So for me, it was just more like staying true to all those moments and things that she's going through. And when I'm performing those scenes, I'm picturing them in my head and, and imagining all those things. So sometimes you'll see, if you're watching an actor session, they'll be moving their arms or different things. And I was certainly tearing up during some of the scenes. Yeah. And well, it's what, really what, emotional. Yeah. What was your reaction to reading the script? Because this Barbara Gordon is different to pretty much every other Barbara Gordon she on really page. Is. And 
it goes yeah. so far. Yeah. Um, even in those in the comic, uh, way far. And I'm, way I'm not. I'm, uh, we haven't seen it yet, so we don't know how far it goes in this. But it's, way it's pretty far. Bad. What was your reaction to reading this? So certainly from off the back of Batgirls, where it's just yeah, straightforward action. Kind of I'd say it was shocking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I can honestly say it was pretty shocking. I mean, she does things we've never done together before and gone places she's never gone before. And um, Was that a challenge? I'd say um, the biggest challenge for me would be just in hopes that the people that are real fans of the comic like what we did and like this interpretation. But in those moments, I think um, I really just zone out and picture where I am. So I don't think of it as like, was this a harder something to do? It's not, I'm really like in those moments. And then looking back at it, it's like, oh, I hope people respond to it. But Tara, you have some very interesting perspectives because you put, you know, Barbara Gordon background, but you also played Harley Quinn in the Arkham series, which takes Harley into some very deeply weird psychological place where she's so obsessed, she's equally obsessed with the Joker, and like at one point she convinces herself that she's pregnant with his baby, even though she was never really pregnant, she created like a false pregnancy in her mind. So, I mean, do you have this perspective of like how, of maybe even understanding how you can both simultaneously love and despise the Joker? for Harley, and it's part of the reason people love her so much, is her undying devotion to this sociopath. Like, no matter what he does, she's completely in love with him, and the loyalty is off the chain, and so I think people are really attracted to her raw, authentic, um, emotional pull that she has with him, being that it's such a challenging relationship. I also cried when I was doing that. Spoiler, when the Joker dies, I was like... <laughs> Um, and it's awfully fun for me because Bad Girl's probably the closest thing to my own voice that I that I ever do, and Harley is not. Thankfully, if I talk like that all the time, I'd probably have no friends. <laughs> and they're so opposite ends of the spectrum. Like she's just like I always tell people, like I go in and get all my frustrations out playing Harley. I had a session last week for a new game, and the director's like, I'm not ready for this at 9 a.m. Then I've done my job right. <laughs> um, so it's, it's definitely fun, and I feel really lucky to have been able to play both iconic characters. I especially enjoy those moments in the Arkham games, like where where like the, the goons actually start hitting on Harley, and Harley's like, "What are you? You're, you're trying to move in on the Joker's turf?" <laughs> great, great stuff. Thank you. Kevin and Mark have said that this might be their last call as Batman and Joker. Is this your last call as uh, Batgirl? They're all full of poo on that. Mark has said that about twenty times. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, so you didn't go into this thinking this might be the last one for you? No way. Hopefully it's the start of a whole new one. That'd be great. Oh, that would be great. It's a, it's a story. There's supposed to be more of the comic, right, in this movie. So how much more we see of Barbara Gordon? Well, I mean, it would be amazing if this sort of spawned a new series that continued from there. And I'm sure after the fans see it, they're going to want that. Um, and, you know, if we go into Oracle and all kinds of different places, I think it would be really exciting and certainly something a lot of fans could relate to and um, just to 
have a role model like that would be amazing. That'd be cool. Are you planting any seeds for a Birds of Prey kind of? Uh, I think that'd be great. Excellent. I'm well, sure I don't have any original ideas that they all haven't thought of. I just want them to do it. I yeah. <laughs> put the pressure. Yeah. Is there a character beyond Batman? Is there a character that you just not your favorite, but that you just really enjoy going back to? Um, well, for sure, Batgirl. For sure, Harley. Um, you know, once you create a character. Um, in animation, you really feel like they're a part of you and they live up here and they come down to make their appearances, so it's always wonderful to go back to characters. It's certainly heartbreaking when you're not going back to a character and someone else's, especially when you molded that character. Yeah. Um, so I feel very lucky to still be playing Batgirl after all this time. How about the evolution of attention now to this kind of animation compared to when you started with the character, you know, way back I think when? social media is such an amazing platform platform for fans to say how much they love us and then for us to know how much we mean to them. I'm sure my predecessors have no idea how many lives they touch, but when you come to cons and you see people saying, you know, Raven got me through my parents' divorce or that girl got me through my depression or whatever it is and you realize how much you touch people's lives, I think it's really gratifying and I feel very grateful for my generation to have that. Um, knowing like how much the fandom has grown for animation and how much respect the entertainment industry has for animation and all the celebrities that want to do animation and even video games when I first started out in gaming they didn't care to hire a quality voice director or what actors were going to be on and now games are like film so it's really uh, changed a lot and I think in a good way. Uh, Tara. Um, on any level, like Andrea Romano used to talk about how she finds the Batman character very sexy, and Kevin Conroy's voice is Batman very sexy, but playing Harley Quinn, on any level, like, do you find the Joker attractive or magnetic in his own way, or do you see why Harley would be attracted to him? Of course, he's my friend. That was the dumbest question all day. <laughs> but what about you, Tara? Well, yeah, because it's Hamill, right? How are you not attracted to that okay. kind of talent? That's, yeah. just, that's a talent crush right there. Thank you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks, Thanks for showing up. Pleasure meeting you. Take it easy. Okay, so literally, like one after the other, we had Brian Azzarello, Ray Wise, and Tara Strong. And then we waited for about 45 minutes to get our next guest because as uh, that half of uh, who was being interviewed was uh, talking to the press roundtables, the other half were doing the video stand-up interviews, and those took longer. So there was a big lull in the room uh, on the uh, roundtable side while the video people were still kind of getting through uh, their uh, video interviews. So it was a while before we finally got to Sam Liu, the director of The Killing Joke, and uh, this was great. He says that he you know, gets kind of shy, but we got a lot out of him, actually, and uh, it was great to get his views. Slightly different than Brian Azzarello's views. I asked him that same Joker question that I asked Brian. Uh, I asked a couple of the other people that I talked to that same Joker question for a reason, uh, to, to compare what everybody thinks. There's no right answer to that question. Um, but I mean, you know, certainly Brian has it in his mind uh, as he's writing the story. I'm sure that uh, Alan Moore had it in his mind as he wrote the story as well. Um, I think there are some moments in Alan Moore's original story and in this cartoon that speaks to my feeling uh, where I agree with Paul Dini. And then I think that uh, the Joker does know what he's doing. And, and that's kind of why 
when when Batman really does reach out to him and says, can't you know, can't we find some common ground? Do we have to get to the point where one of us is going to kill the other? Can't you won't you let me help you? Uh, man, especially when you hear Kevin Conroy talk about it. I, I really love what he has to say. But, uh, yeah, you'll get a different answer from Sam Liu. And uh, Sam, you know, a long time uh, from uh, storyboard artist to director, has really been involved with Warner or anima- Animation for uh, quite some time, uh, working on other shows, too, like Extreme Ghostbusters and uh, Godzilla and Ben 10. But, uh, in fact, even some Marvel work on the uh, Doctor Strange and Iron Man animated films. So uh, it's uh, very cool to hear Sam Liu's perspective on The Killing Joke. Let's bring it to you now on Word Balloon. So how the hell are you? I'm uh, good. (laughs) (laughs) I'm really bad at these interviews and I get a little deer in the headlights. So (laughs) tell us about the balance of obviously wanting to, you know, honor the original source material, but making something too for a new audience. Um... So, you know, I think as most people know, we're uh, adding like a prologue to it, um, and so uh, you know, the, the, the source material is so iconic. I think we wanted, you know, we had discussions of, you know, uh, how faithful do we stick to it, you know, given how controversial it is, and um, I think that we would probably get into even more trouble if we didn't, if we weren't faithful to it, you know. And so right from the start, it was. Uh, the mandate was sort of we're going to be as 100% faithful as we possibly can to the source material. And the stuff that we play with is basically how do we sort of get into it, to it from the, the, the prologue, I suppose. Okay. Uh, Sam, how long have you guys uh, at you know, DC Animation been wanting to make this story uh, into a motion picture? Has it been many years or did it only come up recently that this opportunity came along? Um, it's been on the table uh, at least three times that I know of. And so, uh, Going back how long? I think... It's like the first like DC animated universe movie, I think, was 2007 for Superman uh, Doomsday. Uh, was it that or was it... Okay, because I think production was a little bit before that. Okay. Uh, but, for, yeah. But, uh, but around there, I mean, I think it's 2000... Probably nine, because I came back okay. to DC, so, I think, in 2008, I believe. So that's seven, eight years ago. Yeah, 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 wow. yeah. yeah. Um, when I did uh, All-Star Superman, I remember it was on the table, and Brandon, who did Red Hood, was originally going to do Killing Joke then, but they couldn't get, they decided not to do it, and so he got Red Hood. Uh, but when Red Hood was going to was going to go into production, that was originally supposed to be the slot for Killing Joke. Okay. So was, that was the first time that I had heard of it. Um, and then uh, I think it came up again when I was on a series, but I, I wasn't in the... The home video stuff, so I wasn't. I'm, I, I can't give a specific date then, um, but then I just know that it came up again now, and uh, yeah, we decided to go through with it. As a fan on any level, have you seen this movie in your head? And have you dreamed of making a story like this into reality as a motion picture? Um, you know, I, to be quite honest, I, I didn't think it would, and I think this is some of the the, the feelings that like uh, like Bruce and some of the other people. I don't want to speak for them. Um, but I think there's certain s- stories that work great as comic books, but may not work as well as you know as a film. You know, I think my problem with, with this was like 
at the beginning of it, and I'm glad that's why we sort of put in the prologue, is because you start immediately with Batman going to the, you know, the jail, the prison, or Arkham, and then you, then is, you know, has this really deep psychological discussion with Joker, and you know, if you don't know Batman, if you're not, you know, up to speed with like kind of what's going, how dark this is, it's it's kind of, I think it's kind of abrupt, you know. Well, you're in the middle of the story, basically. Yeah, yeah, and it's like, and if you don't know them, and then you're going through this whole sort of psychological, you know, very deep personal kind of things with each other, and if you don't know these characters, who you're not going to care, you know. And so, um, I never thought like on its own it would be a great uh, movie, you know. I mean. Um, this is a tangential thing, but I'll try to make it real quick. <laughs> I remember when I was at Marvel, we were, there, was a, there was a point where we were thinking about, you know, like, what story do we do? And um, the Thor Better Ray Bill story came up, you know, and we all realized we're all familiar with that, right? And, you know, I remember when it came out, I was just like, oh, hell yeah, like, that's, that, that's such a great story. But then when you were reading it, you know, you're kind of going like, wow, um, you know, okay, this alien picks up this hammer. Who's going to know that that hammer is, you know, can only be picked up by the worthy? Like, the Congress <laughs> is going to be like, so what? You know? And then, like, Okay, so, um, but then after that, you're like, okay, Thor gets beat up, he loses his hammer, and he's hurt, and he's crying, you know, and then his dad comes in and gives him, a, you know, like, okay, you fight again, he loses again, then his dad goes, okay, I'll make two hammers now, you know, and then, you know, Better Bill is like, I gotta go do this noble thing, and his girlfriend goes with him, you know, so Thor looks... So again, like I just I remember it being like this amazing, you know, I can't remember if it was like four issues or six issues um, as a kid. But when I was when we were looking at it as far as like make, trying to potentially make it into a movie, I was just like, this is a horrible Thor story. <laughs> you know. One thing that we've been talking about with the other interviews is just how far the tone goes in this particular film. Right. This is a hard art. I mean, the story pretty much determined that from the word go. How difficult was it to determine just how far you could go? in terms of tone and in story as well. I mean, what, what, where, where did the conversations sort of like lead you in terms of where you wanted to go with the characters? You know, again, I think we... Um, uh, I think a lot of it was, was sort of like the controversial kind of things, right? Where we were kind of like, well, what do you think happened here? You know, and what did you think happened here? You know, and so... Well, well what was the vote at the end then? Uh, with the uh, light, with the flashlight? What was the vote in the end? <laughs> See... That's the thing is, is like I, I don't know if I should say because I think it's I think really is it's a thing where you know uh, subjective. Some people will think one and they will defend it, yeah. you know, and other people will think the other, and I think that's great. I think it's perfectly fine that one person thinks one. So I almost feel like you know I mean obviously I was the creator of the original thing, but it, so it's just my interpretation. So I almost think it's probably better if I don't say it because it's I think it's when, you know people they made their own decision and I think it's it, 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 it's strong enough to sort of. Validate whatever you think. Kind of thing, you know? so, um, but we, anyways, we had to sort of decide, or at least I had to sort of figure out. Okay, well, Bruce, what do you say here? Like, what do you? So we had to make it sort of like ambiguous enough where you could still, as an audience, ask yourself the question that this happened or did that happen. Um, but there was a, a, a conscious line as far as you know where to pull it. You know what I mean? Um, I mean, we haven't actually seen the film. I mean, is the question asked in the film about whether he did or didn't do it? I mean, because in the in the book, the discussion about whether that actually happened, right? And happened pretty recently, so like down the line, someone brought it up as a, oh no, you, you didn't right. read this, right? Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, yeah, is yeah. it actually implicit in the film? Yeah, I mean, I think it's. I, I don't think we tip one way or the other, really. You know, again, because I think we were. But I don't think we had an agenda to kind of go like, no, no, no we got to prove that this is how it went. Yeah. You know, um, because I think we were very aware that it was a thing where did it happen or it didn't happen. I mean, we have our own ideas of did sure. it did or did not, but you know. But, uh, 
Sam, going back to what you said earlier, so when this film you know gets on the plate and you're and you're getting the gig to do it, how do you mentally rectify you know your issues with the story and maybe not thinking it works uh, best as a film? And, and what do you do to fix those issues um, and, and to make you know to make it more accessible? Well, I mean, I, um, again, I think the reason it's R is because it's 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 a, it's a dark story, you know, and I think and probably like many years ago, that probably wouldn't have been possible. I don't. Think. I don't. Yeah, yeah, um, because yeah, um, they didn't want an R, right. you know, um, animated movie, you know, um, but. Um, I like the fact, I mean, as a creative, I like the fact that we can tell stories that, you know, about dark people. Right. Do you know what I mean? It may not be, um, like, you know, things that you want to necessarily deal with on a daily life and stuff like that, but I still feel like there, there's, there's, there's stories, you know, as a creative that, you know, is okay to explore. But I think a lot of it comes down to sort of like, you know, the responsibility of sort of like, you know, uh, what, like who's involved in it or what pieces you put into it, you know? And I think that kind of what we did, it's still a horrible story, you know? I mean, no, there's no way around it. It's just, it's just a horrible story, you know? Yeah. But I think we are trying to flesh out who Barbara is and, who, and give her basically, you know, a, like a, who, who she's, you know, she's a daughter, you know what I mean, to this person, to, you know, Commissioner Gordon, obviously. Um, she was, you know, a sidekick, a partner with Batman. Um, she was a hero. And he was a hero and she was a hero, you know. Um, but then sort of what were the events that sort of caused certain things to happen and then what leads into the killing, you know. So I think... I mean, I think if people just have a, a problem with her being, being shot, you know, at least that's being the, obviously the most controversial one, it's just sometimes there's stories where horrible things happen, you know what I mean? And, you know, as a device, is it responsible to, to use that as a device? Like, no, but that's that's part of the thing right now. And so as, as far as, like, us sort of trying to remake this, you know, potential mistakes and whatever, we're just trying to at least give her, you know what I mean, like she's a person, she's not just a device, you know? Um, one thing that I, I that I took away from this story that I love a lot is that it sort of explores a kinship between Joker and Batman, and um, the, the Arkham games are very interesting. They took some obvious cues from this story before you know you guys made the animated movie. Uh -huh. And one interesting thing they did in Arkham City, there was a painting oh. uh, of Cain and Abel, uh -huh. sort of making it a parallel well Batman and Joker are, are like Cain and Abel and uh -huh. in some ways they are fine they have this bond almost as brothers do you see that at all or is that is that insane to you know to make that connection well I mean I think they're they're parallels in the you know the they're, they're birth from tragedy basically yeah. you know like extreme tragedy um, and um, one went one, one way and one went the other way but they both very easily could have gone the same way as the, the other you know um, and so I think there were you know again just these you know people that came out of this you know primordial stew and one became one, one became the other thing you know um, so I guess in that sense I mean, you know I, could, there, I think there's a kinship you know and it becomes, now it becomes this philosophical debate about you know what are we going to do about it you know? is, would you say Joker is insane or would you say he's sane but has no morals and is very calculating and even though he presents projects this manic persona he knows what he's doing and, and is you know pushing the buttons on purpose yeah I mean I think I, I feel like he definitely knows what he's doing I mean again that's just my my take absolutely on it, you know yeah that's what I want <laughs> yeah I, I, I feel like um, 
I feel like he's like an iconoclast, basically, you know what I mean, or an anarchist, you know. Sure. He's somebody that is basically challenge, you know, institutions. You know? Status quo. Yeah. yeah. And I think that's the whole thing of the Victorian joke is like, what is Batman's thing? What is the, the head of the police? What do you, what do you stand behind? What do you, what are your morals? And what happens when, you know, something, you know, that bad day thing happens or something that just doesn't work out. Now what do you, now what do you, you know, do you still stand behind these things or not? Um, something that we were talking about before you uh, sat down was about the uh, the strength of the artwork in the original book by Brian Bowman. Right, right. It's certainly one of those elements in the original book which very, a lot of people remember. It's a very distinctive right. look. Yeah. What was the decision to go more towards um, the traditional animated adventures from DC away from the Brian Bowman styling? What was the uh, decision on that? Um, oh, this is it? I got to take it. Okay. I'm sorry. Oh, <laughs> oh, that was a good question. Oh, one of those, and if I could. <laughs> I love Thanks a lot, Seth. Not at all, man. It's all right. <laughs> Thank you. Thanks, man. Very funny. Hilarious. <laughs> and that killer is? Sorry. <laughs> Sorry, Leonard, that was a good question. That was a awesome <laughs> No, that was not. I should trust that. Damn. <laughs> <laughs> Wasn't that hilarious? Uh, I... <laughs> The Englishman in San Diego podcast, that's the guy who asked that question. And he does ask it again to Bruce Tim, so you'll get some semblance of an answer to that question. But very funny and nice, nice chat with Sam Liu. I want to mention again that Killing Joke is available right now to rent. Uh, you can all, you can rent it among other places at Amazon uh, Prime, and that of course reminds me to let you know that if you uh, want to do any purchases through Amazon, would you consider doing them through the Word Balloon portal at wordballoon.com? I'm kind of weaving the commercials in this way, you can tell, uh, but no, it's true. If you go to wordballoon.com and go through the Word, the Amazon portal there, make normal purchases just like you always do. But uh, the, the price isn't any different. It's the same price, and Word Balloon gets a kickback, which is really nice. So uh, it's just uh, Amazon's way of thanking me for, uh, you know, pointing our mutual audience uh, to Amazon and uh, Amazon getting a chance to uh, make some money off the fact that uh, you're listening to Word Balloon and you're thinking of Amazon while you're listening. I'm making you do that by letting you know that The Killing Joke is available to a- rent through Amazon Video. I think it's uh, $14.99 right now. Um, I'm sure it's available on some other uh, cable and satellite uh, providers as well. The Blu-ray is coming out in two weeks if you want to order it through there as well. Um, Lots of good reasons to uh, shop at Amazon uh, if you're an animation fan. I mean, you know, they usually do have great prices on their Blu-rays and DVDs. And uh, again, if you uh, go through the wordballoon.com portal right there to Amazon through us, then uh, Word Balloon gets a little money back for your patronage. So just a thought. Uh, let's move on now to uh, two of the big guns to wrap up. Uh, first, what an honor to finally meet and talk to Kevin Conroy. I even got to talk to him a little bit before the press conference began. Just a gentleman and uh, lives up to uh, what Susan Eisenberg has told me about Kevin Conroy when we spoke. And, uh, you know, it's he, as he says, Mark Hamill is the guy who made him aware of the killing joke. But uh, as always, Kevin comes to play and I think gives another exemplary uh uh, you know, uh, performance as Batman and uh, really understands the weight of the killing joke and what makes it special. I still 
question Alan Moore's rejection of this story because I really think that those moments between Batman and the Joker uh, at the beginning of the film and at the end of the film, I know it's not the Joker at the beginning, but we think it is. And certainly Batman thinks it is at the very beginning of the movie. Um, those are really significant conversations that I really think, you know, it's it's Holmes and Moriarty speaking to each other heart to heart. It's that kind of weight. Bat, uh, Superman and Lex Luthor, when they've had their real moments, uh, you know, it's it's among those kind of great classic hero and villain really, you know, uh, uh, kind of letting their defenses down. And and it, it's just really big, big moments. And also uh, Kevin clears up a, uh, a, a a thought that Hamill had kind of put all in all of our brains that this might be the last time for the two of them uh, playing uh, Batman and the Joker, which gave it even more gravitas. But uh, Conroy's uh, here to tell a different story. I will let him tell it now on Word Balloon. <laughs> the living legend himself. It's like a me Batman. Four minutes. Totally true. Okay, so, sister. Sister, I'll be good. Okay, so does Batman kill Joker at the end? He has a reason. There's one in every crowd. However, there is a reason. There is one in every crowd. We had a uh, conversation just then where it was very much uh, an amb- ambiguity. Well, there is an ambiguity. Is it still that ambiguity in the film? Yes. Where do you see Batman in the stage of his career at the start of this story? Is he near the end? Is it just? I mean, I know that they're at wit, or he's at wits with the Joker with in the terms Joker. of yeah. I mean, it's the ultimate struggle between good and evil. It's the conflict that everyone's been waiting for for so long. And there's a scene towards the end of the movie I'm so proud of, where I'm just trying to pull it out of Joker. Um, that I, I think the audience is really going to be happy with. I know I was happy with it, and I, and I think I think um, Mark was. Um, I remember back with Arkham City, uh, I think Mark said that would be his last time as the Joker. And then um, I think he al- he also said that this story would bring him back one yeah. more time, but now he's also back in the Justice League action. So should we maybe not believe him when he said uh, when he said he's going to be retiring his voice as a joke from I think on. I think it was just that Mark was just saying that because I mean when he said it I was so shocked because I know how great he is at it yeah, and exactly. I know how much he loves doing it right. he was just saying that out of frustration I think I think that was a moment of frustration. Do you think he, he's he wanted playing to do with the more fans. stuff? Is huh? he playing with the fans again? Because he does like to play with the fans a little bit. No, Tease no, them. he loves, no. He, no, I know he's not playing with people because he absolutely respects the fans as much as I do. We've spoken about that a lot. The Batman fans are the most passionate in the industry. I mean, they're amazing. And we wouldn't have jobs without them. So I am enormously respectful of them. And I know Mark is. No, that came out of just his own personal actor frustration of, I want to play something else, you know? He was he had been only been given that for a number of years, and he wanted to do something else. So it's not a last call for you guys. This isn't a last not call. Not for Excellent. me. Excellent. I hope it's not for him. Fantastic. I mean, you've done a lot of different Batman stories at this point, and some of them have been original, some of them have been adaptations. Is there still a story out there that you really want to do that has not been done yet? You know, I'm not as familiar with the Batman library as you guys are. I really came to this as an, as an actor. Yeah. Um, Mark turned me on to the Killing Joke. Um, I really wasn't aware of it. Wow, this is amazing. 
So there probably are stories out there I'd love to do that I'm not aware of yet. I love to mask the Phantoms. I still think it's the best Batman movie. I agree. Although this may <laughs> this may take over. This may take over. But up until now, I think that was the best Batman movie. I'd love to see you guys do the Death of the Family. The Death right. of the Family. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah that would be fantastic. Mark about that. <laughs> but I do want to do a musical. I think we got to do Batman the movie. Oh yeah, absolutely. Yeah. Well, think about it. Mark is a Broadway singer. I'm a singer. Yeah. Tara Strong's a singer. We got so many voices in this show. Like, Set right up. We could knock it down. We could, it could be killer. Yeah. Yeah. I think the one, the one thing about the Batman, uh, the Killing Joke, as a story is, and for certainly for fans, is just how far the story goes in terms of tone. I mean, this is a hard R uh, animation at the end of the day. When you saw and read the script, and when you saw where they were going with the story, how shocked were you? I mean, in contrast to the other Batman's that you've done. Oh, I was completely shocked. Yeah. Though, well, how are they going to do this? Um, because they hadn't decided to do an R rating. Really. Initially, oh, okay. they, they, or if they had, they hadn't told me. I don't know. I hadn't heard about that, so I was going into it. I mean, I thought, did it read like an, a hard R when you read it? Gonna, well, it's very graphic. Yeah. Um, and it's it's really rough stuff that happens in these. I thought, how are they going to do this? You know. Um, they told me to just go with it, and they were going to work it out. I thought, well, they'll edit a lot of this out. I'm sure. I thought this is going to lot. It's going to be edited out of this. And then they didn't. And they said, well, we're just going to go with an R rating instead. I think, wow. Which I really respect. Yeah. yeah. That moment that he, sorry, that, that um, he reaches out to the Joker and says, basically, look, we, are, we might kill each other. Isn't there something I can do? To bring you, yeah, and I mean, yeah, is that a is that a moment of true human? Did you play that for a moment oh, of humanity, absolutely. or or is Batman being the ultimate cop and saying, you know, hey, yeah, tell me about it? Oh no, no, no! I I am I am begging with him. I'm just trying to pull something out of him. Um, I I loved playing that whole that section. Um, what else? I can I hope you enjoy it. Did you slip in as Bruce Wayne? Uh, when you ask me that question, did you switch from Batman to Bruce Wayne, or did you? Stay oh, that's interesting. Yeah. No. Is there a same? Is it the same person, or do you feel like is it Batman at the core? Is it? Oh, it's Batman at the core. Okay. It's absolutely Bruce Wayne's the performance. I've always okay. felt that. He's the artifice he puts on to face the world. He's most comfortable when he's in the cave. And how about between you and Gordon? You and Gordon, when uh, when it is you know him saying, "Hey, you got to pull back. You're still a cop, or you're still on the right side of the law." And yeah, where where's Batman's mind at that? But like we, we got to destroy. It was so interesting working with Ray Weiss, having a different actor in that role. Um, uh, he's a wonderful actor. Were you? Because Ray said you weren't able to work together. Last one. Less okay, like, Ray said you weren't, and yeah, so so did you just have Ray in yeah, your mind then? I was, yeah, talk because about I knew that um, Bob Hastings, of course, isn't with us anymore, sure. and I was wondering how he would do this. You're always imagining how the other actors would play. With Mark, I know, right? because Mark wasn't there either. Right. He was off doing Star right. Wars, which is the first time he and I haven't recorded together. Oh, wow. Yeah, okay. we're always recorded together. Wow. This is the first time ever. That's interesting. I think so. Really? Except, no, in some of the games we have, because they have to have clean takes. So yeah. sometimes in the games we'd be together, but sometimes not. But in, in terms of the, the interactive, you know, the act, the actor things, the, the TV yeah. shows and the movies, we've always been together. This is the first time we haven't been. And it was because of Star Wars. Wow. Okay. Thank you very much. Thank you. Very much. you guys like happy birthday. No, no, he can't. <laughs> <laughs> you guys don't listen. No, happy no, 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 no
That was so funny. Yeah, Conroy did try to get that happy birthday in for the guy, and I don't know if uh, the PR guy kind of uh, <laughs> screwed it up or not. Uh, well, I, I, the person who, whose birthday is can only decide whether that was cool enough or not. But uh, very, very funny. It's interesting, uh, this final uh, conversation with Bruce Tim. Uh, you know, some people are very passionate about uh, the stories that they get to adapt and stuff like that. And then there's Bruce Tim. And maybe because the guy's been doing uh, this stuff uh, specifically for the DC Universe uh, for 25 or 26 years now. Uh, but uh, you can tell right away that The Killing Joke was, I, I don't think, any different than any episode of or, or uh, other animated DC film that he's ever worked on. Uh, and it's it's an honest answer. We want honest answers. But uh, I, I really do appreciate the uh, kind of shrugging, like, yeah, all right, it was okay. <laughs> answers we got from from Bruce Tim to wrap things up, but uh, always interesting. I've I've only been able to speak to Bruce Tim at these press roundtables. The last time was uh, the Batman Gotham Knight DVD animated DVD that held the, had all the different stories, including ones written by Brian Azzarello and Greg Rucka and Alan Burnett and uh, a few others. But uh, yeah, it's. Uh, very matter-of-fact conversation with Bruce Tim to wrap up our coverage of The Killing Joke on Word Balloon. How long has this idea been in your head that you could turn this into a movie? Was it only recently that it got into your head, or had it ever occurred to you many years before? It's never been on my wish list. Of, of, of all the Batman properties, it's never been one that I was like dying to do. I've always kind of dreaded the idea of turning it into a movie. Why? Because uh, it's... Um, it's not obviously cinematic material. I mean, it's it's a, a obviously a very powerful comic, um, but it doesn't kind of tick all the boxes that a traditional Batman movie has. It's not an action story at all. Yeah. It's a psychological drama. Batman doesn't do anything in the story. He doesn't even like solve any of the crimes. I mean, you know, the Joker has to send him an invite to tell him where he's at, and then at the end of it, Batman doesn't win. Um, so it's things that I, I, I knew it would be kind of a tough sell for audiences, but um, when we did decide to go ahead and do it as a feature, um, we made the decision early on to not quote unquote fix it by trying to turn it into a summer blockbuster and give it a more you know slam bang finale, or to make it more obviously cinematic. We thought, well, okay, it's it's. It's famous for a reason. We need to trust the source material and just stick to it. And that kind of made it easier. It's like, okay, well, let's just turn all this into cinema as best we can. It's just not going to be an action film. It's going to be a weird... It's more David Lynch than Michael Bay. Yeah. And, the, um, I actually got shortchanged a little bit earlier because someone got pulled away before the question got answered. Um, one of the strongest elements of uh, The Killing Joke is the design aspect, uh, the, yeah. the art from yeah, Brian yeah. Bolan in the book. Um, in this, you've actually gone more towards the traditional uh, DC animated adventures style, as it were, not so much towards the Brian Boland Well, artwork. we did as much as we could. Yeah, we did as much as we could. Uh, his style is ridiculously realistic yeah. in, in such a way that, I mean, there's not another artist in the world who draws like him. Sure. You know, of all the people who like, oh yeah, there's a bunch of people who draw like Neil Adams or draw like Jack Kirby. There's only one Brian Ballin. Yeah. And there, that's a reason, there's a reason for that. Um, we did what we could to kind of like put in little touchstones in the way he draws the ears or the way he draws Joker's teeth or whatever. Um, uh, it does overall more resemble like Batman the Animated Series than it does the more recent New 52 style yeah. movies deliberately. Um, but we did even there we tried to make a distinct point of 
the characters are their proportions are more realistic. You know, Joker or Batman's shoulders are not to here with a little tiny waist and little <laughs> tiny legs. He's 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 more proportionately have like, you, have like you a seen human the, being. Um, the, the, the YouTube uh, the fan uh, trailer that someone's actually redrawn the trailer in the Brian Boland style. Have you seen that? No. Oh, no. <laughs> Fair enough. But as you said, this was a challenge to do a more psychological animated yeah, yeah, yeah. film. Yeah. And and talk about that evolution from really, God, 25 years ago when you guys started to where we are now yeah. in terms of the sophistication of stories and, and what you can do and get away with. Well, I mean, for better or worse, uh, things that are acceptable nowadays, even on like regular primetime TV, are unheard of. I mean, I watch, you know, when I watch a show like Hannibal, or even Gotham. Sure. It's like, even 10 years ago, there's no way that stuff would have been terrible on primetime TV, but, you know, people have either gotten more used to it or they're becoming desensitized to it or what. I don't know. I, I, I myself am shocked, you know. Uh, but, uh, and, and the, the whole idea of doing, you know, more adult-oriented, you know, yeah. feature films, animated feature yeah. films, again, that was unheard of. You know, even when right. we did our first PG-13 one, it was like, holy cow, really? So, um, liberating I mean, or frustrating? What do you think? No, it's it's it's, it's well, it just is what it is. It just or? is what it is. Okay. You know? It's not like oh, I've always wanted to do an R-rated superhero movie. I never no. really have, but it, whatever works for the story. Okay. Was it ever a discussion to to pull back and not do an R and, and, and sort of edit it? Yeah. And, oh, we we talked about it, but. Um, from the very beginning, we told the home video people, it's like, okay, if you give us a green light and we make this movie, the subject material is such that we might very well get an R rating. Yeah, I mean, and if we have to pull it back to a PG-13, we'll probably compromise the story and we'll probably piss off a lot of fans. So we should probably go for the R if it comes to that. And, and they said yes, reluctantly, yes, we'll, we'll, we'll support that. Um, it's not like we pushed it. To, to, we didn't go over the top with it. We wanted to like use our own barometer of taste and, and, and respect. Um, but we we did it, we did what we did with it, submitted it to the MPAA, and sure enough, got an R rating. And God love the home video people. They said, okay, fine, we'll go with it. Do you think it's going to so. set a precedent? Like, are you going to? Do you think that they'll look like, okay, now we've done it once, so it's possible. So let's think about what we can do. Uh, put it this way, I think it's possible. I don't think every film. This is kind of a special case because it's the Killing Joke. It's a famous comic. Yeah. Uh, There's actually not that many other Batman stories that go this far. No, it's really true. It's really true. So, uh, but if we ever do end up getting another R, and then the home video people look at it and do the numbers and go, well, maybe, maybe not. So it could happen. I don't think it's the new paradigm. Uh, Bruce, now that it's done, it's here. It's going to get uh, a pretty sizable uh, theatrical uh, release next week, and, and it keeps getting bigger and bigger. Yeah. Tickets are selling well. Um, I mean, is this one of your most uh, proudest pieces of work at, at, as an animator and storyteller? You know, that's really hard to say. Uh, I, at this point, I'm too close to it. I think it's really, really good. Um, I, I'm proud of it. I'm quite proud of it. Uh, time will tell whether it actually is one of my, 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 my better things that I've been associated with or not. Because, like I said, at this point in time, I'm just way too close to it. I'm, I'm just so happy to see it. You know, finally happen because I, I think fan, I think I myself as a fan have wanted to see this for years, and I think many many fans would agree. Cool, We're very right excited. On. Awesome. Have cool. you any thoughts on doing any of the Scott Snyder stories? Of what? The Scott, Scott Snyder run? The new oh, oh, oh um, I, I'm actually not that familiar with them. I actually right, okay. don't read a lot of modern comics. Okay. But what do you read? I don't read hardly anything. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, I just I'm just really 
Who are the DC characters you haven't had a chance to play with yet that you'd still like to? Oh, I don't know. There's a bunch. Okay. Really? No Silver yeah. Age things coming to mind right away? I've, I've gotten to play with most of my favorites, but okay. you know, we'll see. Something tells me comics are not, uh, certainly uh, uh, while you are obviously uh, uh, an appreciator of them, they're not the, uh, the top of your uh, your your personal Dude, choice. Dude, I, I mean, go home, you, I watch reality TV. <laughs> <laughs> I do not even watch scripted television. I watch Storage Wars and Project Runway because I don't want to think about storytelling like that. <laughs> Fair enough. Thanks, so. Bruce. Thank, Thank you. Thank you, Thank you so so there you go. Later that night, uh, Comic-Con uh, had the premiere of The Killing Joke on Friday night. I didn't see it then. I waited until I got home and I watched it at a movie theater. I'm glad I did. I thought it would look great on the big on the big screen. Um, the woos that you get at Comic-Con and Hall H or at these premieres, it's fun for the moment. But sometimes you miss the dialogue. And frankly, I was happy to watch it back in Chicago with a regular movie audience that was very excited to see the movie. And for the most part, as, I, as we all walked out of the theater, I heard a lot of positive things, a lot more positive than what I heard online. Because as I say, there's a lot of people that don't like that uh, Batgirl, the entire first act of uh, the Batgirl segment. Uh, there are a lot of women and men that are complaining about the, uh, the inappropriate Batman-Batgirl relationship. They're both over, over age. It was, you know, whatever. Uh, you know, relax. I, I, I don't know, man. <laughs> I guess I've been into this for so long that I'm just like, yeah, all right, that's fine. And if I disagree, okay, no biggie. I liked uh, the Killing Joke uh, animated film. I hope you will uh, uh, see if you like it as well. Um, you know, I, I mentioned before, we've got SpeakPipe now on Word Balloon to uh, voice your opinions if you'd like. And uh, feel free to use it. Click on uh, the front page of WordBalloon.com right there where it says voicemail. Um, and you can, via uh, SpeakPipe, uh, leave me a direct message. Uh, people already have done that with the uh, Judd Winnick uh, episode that we just had. And uh, I hope more people will take advantage of it. And I'll hear uh, from you directly. Tell me what you think of the killing joke. Tell me where I'm, my head's up my ass and uh, that I don't care about this Batman Batgirl relationship that they've created for this movie. Um, you know, I'm, I'm at this point, so many of the animated films are their own thing that it's just like, okay, you know, tell the story. If it works, great. You know, like I said, uh, back at Superman Doomsday, it, 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 it really did kind of soften uh, the story in a, in a bad way, I think, the death of Superman story, uh, the way they handled uh, Doomsday and the aftermath of uh, Doomsday as well. It didn't have the gravitas, certainly, that the reign of the Superman did in the comic books. Whether they could have done that or not in the movie is another story, I guess. Um, but all these animated films continue to fascinate me. I think they're in excellent hands, whether it's Bruce Tim uh, as the overall producer or, or our buddy James Tucker as well. I, I just think these guys are pros up and down uh, when you consider the great Alan Burnett, our, our buddy Heath Corson, Sam Liu, Bruce Tim, Brian Azzarello, everybody involved in The Killing Joke, uh, Kevin Conroy, Mark Hamill, Tara Strong, everyone that uh, has been doing the Batman stuff. The Superman and Justice League cast, indeed. Uh, you know, I mean, I just think it's great stuff. And, I, and I, we're really in a fortunate time that so much good product is coming out and continues to come out. So I support it. And uh, whether it succeeds or fails, it's no different than any TV or movies. You're going to have great ones. You're going to have singles, doubles, triples, and home runs. Some people might think this was a single or a strikeout. I, I thought it was a triple. I thought it was a very positive triple. So uh, that would be my uh, critique 
of The Killing Joke. Thanks for listening. More great content coming up before the end of July and uh, more great stuff right here from Word Balloon. Uh, great, uh, Still got to uh, give you my panels from San Diego. There's another press junket that I can't wait to share with you. Just cleaning things up, giving you the best audio I possibly can uh, for all of that stuff. The panels turned out great. Uh, there's one more presser that I'm going to give. I'm not even going to tease what it is, that uh, the audio is slightly not as good as, as what you just heard. But I still think if you're a fan of this franchise, I'll give you the initials. Star Trek. I think you're going to be pretty happy uh, with uh, uh, what I've got uh, from uh, the Star Trek people commemorating their 50th anniversary. So uh, keep listening. More great updates coming from San Diego and other great conversations from Word Balloon in the days ahead. Until next time, Word Balloon is a copyright feature of Shaky Productions. Copyright 2016.